It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday december 16th and you're listening to episode 394 uh this is jason here with half a voice it's pretty exciting uh joined by julio who hopefully has a whole voice yes i do how are y'all doing good good that those those smooth tones you have sounds great yeah, and I just got back from PAX Unplugged, too, so... I'm surprised you have a voice. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it, it is one of those things that I didn't force my, myself too much because I, I, whenever I felt it, I started, you know, winding down a bit, and I had some cough drops, too, so those are always good to carry around. That is good. Very good. So what's been going on, Jason? Oh, well, I've been being sick. That's been fun, so, you know... I wouldn't recommend it, but it's a good time. You know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, no, I've been, um, we, I am working, uh, with some people on something mm-hmm. for BTG that I've been tweeting about hashtag 400. So, uh, that's oh. been keeping me kind of busy. So when I purposely excluded the other, the other hosts, so none of you know anything about it. So yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I'm like, we're six weeks away, and yep. And I haven't heard a single peep, so uh, I'm I'm scared. Yeah, no plans are in motion. Things are going very well. It will require nothing of you, Jason or Nicole. Um, I uh, I reached out to some nice. original builders who've been listening since the very beginning, uh, and we're cooking oh, up nice. something special. So yeah. So people that cool. Speaking of knows. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of original builders, uh, while I was in um, Pax Unplugged this weekend, is it what's his name? Wex Wexford. He, I guess he bought you the. I I heard the episode. He bought you the the Isis Shalev Jeff Engelstein building blocks of design game. He did. Yes. Yes. So he was he was at Pax Unplugged and he came by and said hi on the Umpa room. Awesome. Yeah. He um. He lives on the East Coast now, so that makes sense. I forgot about that. Yeah, he. So it's funny because he came to me and he introduced himself, himself, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever met you, and and I'm not, you know, I guess I started listening to the podcast in the 200s, so I've heard him a couple times, but I'm not, yep, uh, you know, as in tune. So I was a little embarrassed there, but once it clicked. I was, uh, it was nice just kind of have a builder say hi. That was cool. Yeah, no, that, that is always awesome. And uh, yeah, it's too bad if you'd known that there was a secret, you could have asked him because he knows about the secret. He's in on it. So. Oh, well, that's, well, I mean, he, he kept it well. He he's, just came a, by and said hi. Cool he's guy. A good, he's a good dude that he didn't say anything. He works in the military, or at least he did. So he knows how to keep a secret, I'm oh. sure. Nice, nice. So um, I'm excited about that then. Awesome. How was your PAX Unplugged? Oh, man. It was a lot, a lot of work. But I think at this point, that's kind of how my conventions have been for the past couple, I guess, a couple months this right. last year. Lots of meetings? Me- yeah, meetings and, and pitches and, and just playtesting, too. Because PAX Unplugged right. uh, has a good Unpub presence. Um, however, this year, 
they so basically i i drove up from Asheville, north carolina up to philadelphia it was 10 hours on thursday and i got there probably around eight and i had a meeting at 8 30 it was a development meeting uh with a publisher and it, we play tested the game went through some changes that they've done gave some feedback on the game on the product per se because it's a pretty cool prototype and i'm pretty excited about that so that was just thursday awesome. it was probably two two hours and and it was cool because it was in the in a hotel lobby and a couple of people stopped by and asked about the game so that was cool that is um, awesome yeah and and that was my thursday but from from saturday to sunday i mean friday to sunday it was a lot of meetings but i also had some time in between because i before probably a month month and a half i've been scheduling meetings and following up with publishers that have my games under evaluation you know flashback to the episode that i talked about communication some publishers were still not communicating but i guess i tracked them down and i and i could get some communication there um and followed up so i i guess uh one of them was, was still evaluating so that's pretty good one of them uh gave me some good feedback because this publisher uh, wanted to give me some face-to-face -face feedback on the game and they ended up passing on it but the publisher told me well if you have any other games that have a good table presence uh let me know and the person didn't know that i that's kind of my thing i guess so I just followed up and, well, I have a couple of games that you may be interested in. Do you have any time available? And they they had on Sunday. So that was, nice. so I followed up with that. Yeah, yeah. But I met probably, I think it was 10 or 12 meetings um, throughout the weekend. And two of those meetings were, were dinner meetings. So this is one thing. I mean, when when the meeting is late in the day, and they're like, well, we'll go after, we'll do the meeting after dinner. I'm like, well, you know, I eat dinner, dinner. Um, I I can hang hang out with y'all, and and then we. So there's no rush, you know. Usually right, when right. when there's like a meeting after, it's like always a rush of oh, we gotta meet at this time. But if we all go to eat to to eat together, then we can just play the game whenever after we get done. So on Saturday and Sunday, I had dinner meetings, and one meeting lasted seven hours basically from when we started dinner towards when we ended play testing and and all the pitches and the other one was like six hours and it was very interesting because it was a sunday after they have finished up packing and all that stuff yeah so you saw kind of like behind the scenes uh volunteers publishers and employees and all that it was it was a pretty interesting experience to say the least I'm not going to name any names, but there was almost some flashing involved in a hotel room. <laughs> wow, wow. So I think we can all assume that was Joshua J. Mills, but in fact, don't even tell me if I'm right. Just that's It was Joshua J. Mills always doing the bad no, stuff. No, 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 Josh wasn't there. We had a good uh, turnout from Game Design of North Carolina. We had four people from Asheville. We had uh, two people from Charlotte and I think five from the Triangle. So that was a good group and, and some new people, meeting some new people. That was nice, too. But, yeah, going back to the, of course, I had a new game that I designed that week of course. before PAX Unplugged. That's what Julio does, so, designs new games. 
I tested it and and I'm glad that I got to test it with uh, uh Brian and Shannon Richards. Oh, they're the, they are but, uh, some of the best. So listen, I don't I don't want to give out all our secrets, but Brian and Shannon Richards are some of the best playtesters you will ever find for games. They're amazing. Oh yeah, I know, I know. When they came by, I was like, "Yes, sit." I know you can give me a lot of good feedback, especially with this game. It's called the Galaxy Discovery. It's so new that I wa I wasn't looking for any specific feedback. I'm just looking for feedback in general. And then de they definitely gave me some some great feedback. So I'm excited about this game as well. I don't know what those two do for uh, a living, but I feel like they could just quit their jobs and be professional playtesters and just we would pay them for it. <laughs> they, uh, hey, yeah, they you were, never you never know. They were amazing in getting into the Black Forest finished. They at one point played yeah. that game like five or six times in a row for me. It was amazing. It, nice, nice. And, and so I shout out to them and, and I also had a couple of playtests of uh, Rainbow Riders, which is another game that I'm working on the one before Galaxy Discovery. Cool. Basically, I, I focus on the games that I wasn't pitching. Uh, so those are the newest ones. And and it's, it, definitely, it definitely got some good stuff going on there. I guess anything else I can talk about there? Um, I got some really good pitches in general. And maybe I'm uh, maybe a little view into our topic. Um, I got a verbal offer from a publisher on on a game cool so that's Congrats. that's pretty cool and 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 the publisher when the publisher said uh i'll send you a contract this week you know I, i was excited and all but at the same time i was like well we haven't discussed terms so i spoke with them the day after hey so you mentioned the contract what are the terms of this contract So that's uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about. And I don't know if you want to talk about something else before we get into our topic, because it's still pretty early. But uh, our topic is going to be contracts, which is something that not many people talk about because it's usually pretty, you know, secret stuff between publishers and all that. So, yeah, is, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into our topic? Um, no, no, no. I think we should just jump into that. Um, you know, we both have some different experience with that. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good, um, yeah, I think it's, oh. it's a, it's a good topic because it's like the thing of like, don't talk about what you get paid with other people. Right. And then like the only people who win with that are the, are, are the, uh, the, the people in charge who are paying you. <laughs> like we need to talk about yeah. this stuff. It's important. Yeah, yeah, and and I know a situation where people don't know what games I've signed with what publishers, and I got a lot of games under contract, so that does give give it some anonymity on what I'm who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about. So, so I, I can be a little more open. That is important. It's um. Uh, I think that it's safe that we we can say that what we can talk about are some standards that we've seen, right? I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I, none of us can give specifics about publishers, and that's because we're asked not to. And frankly, um, you know, I, I I don't ever would never talk on air about specifics about a publisher's contract because, yeah, because it's not fair to them, right? I mean, they're not expecting that uh, when you make the agreement. Um, but that said, I think it's very fair that we talk about what we experience and trends and such in more general terms, because that helps a lot of newer designers. And frankly, it helps 
not newer designers because not everybody knows what to expect. And, you know, you want to know if you're getting something that is fair, right? It's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and really, to start off, I would just want to mention some good resources regarding this. And like always, our friends at the Cardboard Edison, Chris and Suzanne Sinsley, have this awesome infographic, yes. which you have probably mentioned in the past. Uh, but it's the Industry Reports infographic. And, and um, again, this is, this is a free resource that they put in a couple of years ago, which is talking about all the different, um, I guess, uh, what would you call it, statistics towards contracts, royalties, and any type of numbers regarding a contract and what is expected from a contract and all that. It's a really good resource there. Um, another one that I listened to a couple of years ago was a episode on the Board Game Business podcast. Um, they they do the, these uh, short episodes, and one of them was a 30-minute episode about contracts. And they went pretty fast on, on things to look out for po- in podcasts, so that's a really good episode as well. That's just some some resources that builders can check out once they finish listening to us talking about contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first, let's start out. What is the definition of a contract? And not a, I'm not a native Spain, uh, English speaker, so um, I guess the easiest way I can put it is that a contract is an agreement between two parties. Right? Yep, a legally binding a, agreement between two parties, in fact. Exactly, exactly. And in this case, the two parties would be the publisher and the designer. Correct. And and sometimes there may be contracts that involve other parties. Uh, maybe a, a bigger publisher can have an, a developer involved in the contract as well. Because sometimes games may need a little more development than what is expected so a developer can maybe get some royalties from that as well i don't know if that's the case i'm just kind of talking here about that but uh so starting from that the contract and the reason why i wanted to talk about this is because since i'm currently looking over a contract and at this point i have signed a couple and I'm, i'm starting to know where to look and what to look for and of course the 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 important one that always people ask about is royalties the money right what about the money Um, right 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 but (laughs) yeah and and there's different ways of earning royalties in a contract the first one and i guess it's, it's not one that comes very often but is royalties based on retail price. And retail price is basically what a game costs when it's in a retail store. Suggested retail price, right? So uh, let's say a game, um, uh, Terraforming Mars, retail price, I don't know, 70 bucks, I think it is. So a royalty rate can come from a percentage of that. And this was an interesting one because this is one that usually it's on the lower side where uh, on the lower side I'm talking about maybe a three four five percent because of the this uh, the depending on how big the 
the percentages, of course, how much money you get. But when you get a small percentage of the biggest money that a game can earn, which is the retail price, that is uh, why it would be lower. Um, now, the most common one, and you can chime in at any point here. The most common one that I've seen is uh, a royalty based on the net income of the game that the publisher gets yes which is their wholesale price uh like a lot of a lot of publishers sell to distributors and distributors buy that game at 60 percent off right so publishers get 40 percent of the game retail price there and of course there is uh their income based on that you have to deduct a lot of things like shipping and production of the game and all that and after all that you would get a percentage out of that profit that the publisher makes and right and this is something that i guess it's safer for publishers because they can basically discount every expense and once they get their profit you take a cut from that and those are usually higher but when i'm say higher i'm not saying you know so there if you look at the infographic of cardboard edison it can say five to twelve percent but it now it depends on of course who the designer is right um because as a new designer um you sometimes don't have much say in what your royalty rate is because let's say you're signing your first game and they give you a five percent royalty rate on on just wholesale right Mm -hmm. and you know you know that that's you know that's okay and that has been a pretty a standard rate um and you can't really negotiate much because you want to sign that game right and and you'll be happy to sign the game but one thing and royalties are fine because royalties are usually, you know, paid off when the game comes out and starts selling and all that. But one thing that I think personally designers should always get is an advance. Um, advances are based on advances on royalties. So it's not like a bonus. Sometimes maybe designers do get bonuses when they sign a game, but that hasn't happened to me. I think what's important about an advance is an advance is a guarantee, Right. In advance yes. is money that you will not lose. Basically, you sign the deal, you got an advance. That advance is guaranteed for you. You've gotten that money. Yes. If your game doesn't get printed, if your game flops, you still made that money. Um, which is which in my mind, if you're working with a publisher you don't know, um, or that's gonna take a very long time to get it to print, I think that's when advances become important. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're right. That's a good point. When, when, especially when you do know the publisher, maybe that's not as important because you know they have a good track record. But right, still, right. Um, I th- I still think in, in in a case, you would want to still have a, an advance because it is just a, a you know letting you know that the publisher believes in that they're gonna be producing this game and they also have a stake in it because right when you're signing a game this game is going to be signed for you know hopefully indefinitely what once they produce it but um they're going to have it for two years where they're going to be developing it and you know doing whatever they want to do with the game 
And if they end up passing on the game and saying, uh, looks like it wasn't for us at the end, and they give it back to you, you just lost a year, two years of that design design's life, and you have nothing to show for it. Right. And so I... Um I agree with that. Um, you know, I there have been times when I haven't taken advances. There have been times when I and I generally I have, um, but mm-hmm. when I didn't, it was because I knew the game was going to go quick. I knew the publisher. I knew that they would do a good job with it, and I knew that I would get my money in the end. So I, I had no fear about that. Um, there have been other publishers yeah. where I've gotten an advance and then they didn't print the game. And hey, guess what? I got the money still, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, to me. In general, I expect some sort of advance because that's the publisher saying, hey, we're giving you money to promise you that, you know, you're getting something for your game. Hopefully you're going to get more, uh, but it gives you kind of a minimum value that they're placing on your game. Yeah, yeah. And and let's, I mean, let's talk some numbers here. And this is based on information I've seen, people I've talked to, and my own experience. Um it, it, the advance really depends on two things, I guess. Well, maybe three. Uh, one would be the game. You know, are you signing a 54 card game? Are you signing a micro game? Are you signing a, um, a heavy euro that's going to cost $80, $80 in retail? Right, right. Um, are you signing it? to a big publisher, uh, Asmodee? Are you signing it to a medium-sized publisher? Are you signing it to an indie new publisher that's published two games? That th- Those are things that you have to take into consideration. And, and of course, this is one that I guess it really depends on, you know, the designer, you. You know, how, how many games have you signed? How good of a track record you have? Can you, I guess, uh, pull some muscle and maybe uh, push to, to get some a higher advance? Because ultimately... The advance is taken out of royalties. That's usually the case. So really, like you said, it's a guarantee. So when the game comes out and royalties start you know, piling, you're not going to get any money until that advance has been paid for. Correct. From the publisher. So um, what I would think, you know, the, it, thinking all those things into consideration, uh, with a small 18-card game, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to ask for a hundred dollar advance, really. Right. Um, right. Yeah, definitely. You should that, understand that the as a game designer that the amount of advance will very, very likely be tied to the size of the game or the expected print run of the game, right? But I think both yeah, those things. Yeah. Are very so which, which correlates? Yeah, which correlates to the size of the publisher, usually. Correct. Usually, um, not always, though. I mean. AEG has been yeah. known to do their like short run games, and I'm betting they don't pay great advances on those because they're going to print a thousand, two thousand copies and be done with it, you know. And they're usually small games. Yeah, I I, I do think they're changing though. Uh, John Sinsler has been doing a blog, and he did a really good one a couple of months ago about how they're now focusing on having better quality games and less of them, um, because that's smart. you know I think that's there's a good the shotgun move. approach. Uh, that Renegade does where they release 20, 25 games a year. And then there's a Stonemaier approach where there's two, One three game games a year. Every seven years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so it's about, you know, it really depends on what works for you, right? They, they're um, on the leap year cycle, but, right? Like every leap year they release a game, but then it does really, really well for like the next four years. 
Well, I'm I mean, they, they, they just, <laughs> well, I mean, they have some good, uh, a couple of evergreens. I, they I guess, do. I they guess, do. Wingspan. Yes, they're doing all right. Yeah, Wingspan came out this year and, and Tapestry came out this year. Right, and those two um, are so going to do well for a while. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so what I was saying is, you know, for a 18 card game, you know, hundred dollars, I don't see much of a problem in that, especially even, even with a, with an indie publisher. Um, now when you start having a, a game that you've spent a lot of time on and it's a, you know, you, you do believe in this game and maybe sometimes you have publishers that are very interested and when you get an offer, it's not like, oh, I'm going to wait for other offers. No, you have something in front of you. But at the same time, you do have to consider that this game uh, could get interest from somebody else. So in the case where they're, they do end up not publishing the game, that you, you have that guarantee to fall on and, and then keep uh, p um, uh, pitching the game and all that. So uh, I have heard that you can get you know advances from big publishers up to three five thousand dollars i've heard that uh, as well uh, yeah 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 and 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 i think that's that's okay too because you if a publisher does believe in it and they do have the the <laughs> i guess the the money behind it because it is a big publisher sometimes i do feel like if there is there they are a big publisher and they sometimes <laughs> may not even offer an advance and I've heard this from from other designers and contracts, and I'm like, how can that be? And and then they j sometimes just end up passing on the game, and that's just that's just wrong. Right. Well, really. it's, it's because I think the thing to remember, and I'm not I'm not justifying their behavior with that because I think that as a bigger company, you even more should be willing to put your money where your mouth is. Um, but they yep. have the clout that, so let's say, I'm just going to throw out a hypothetical name. Let's say Hasbro comes, you go to Hasbro, they pick up your game, you say, uh, what's my advance? And they say, you don't get an advance, right? Now, I have no idea. Maybe they, I'm sure they offer advances, but let's say they say, no, they're not going to, right? If that's the mm -hmm. case, they're thinking, hey, buddy, you're getting published by Hasbro, right? We're going to print so many games, you're going to get a ton of royalties, it's going to be great for everyone, but you should feel the privilege of getting published by Hasbro, right? And I just want to say yeah. that if that is the case and that some pub big publisher is telling you that, that's crap. Because they they are not no no publisher is big enough that you should not get paid in advance. I I think the bigger the publisher is, the more you should get paid in advance. Not even saying you should get more advance. I think at some point that needs to cap out just reasonably to for everybody to make a profit on the game. But like I yeah, I don't no, I, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's no different to me. That's no different than saying to an artist, do your work for exposure. Why do you have to get paid? Right? Like that's the same. Yeah, mentality. exactly. Yeah. I have, I have ne uh, renegotiated uh, advances in, in some of my contracts um, because I have felt, I, I did feel like, Hey, I think this specific game right, right. could be, you know, it, it, and, and it is again that guarantee. So, so right. think about that, builders. Just uh, give value to to your design. And the, I mean, I know people want to get published and want to get a game signed, but this is something I heard this this weekend. 
Uh, one thing that you got to watch out for as a designer is your reputation as a designer. Yes. Learn to say no. And this is obviously something that is hard to tell people that maybe don't have a game signed. But this is something that, hey, if your first game it is just not that good or it doesn't make a splash which in this in these this industry right now that's extremely hard right then right. getting that second or third or fourth game signed is going to be difficult if you don't have a uh, i guess a reputation right though, for I, it. though i'm curious though how much does that really matter and this is why i say that because i can think of some designers that are working consistently right they've got quite a few games mm -hmm. out there and i've played several of their games Um, and they're, I'm not even talking about designers that I've met, like just people like in general, like I, I'm specifically thinking of a designer that I've never met. Right. And a lot of yep. their games are just okay, but they're getting stuff out constantly. And so that makes me think like, does really, does it, does it really matter that much? Because part of it is they start like, so Julio, let's, let's use you as, as a fake example here, right? You've been doing well. You don't have anything out really yet. But when that swarm of games finally hits, right, from you getting contracts and signing games and a f three years down the road, and you've got a bunch of games out, right? Are other publishers yeah, cool really going to be like, man, I want to sign Julio, but his games are just okay. So I don't think I am. Mm. Or are they going to say, Julio, that's a name I hear a lot. I'm going to sign his game. I, I'm going to argue that it's the latter. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, oh, we've tried all his games and they're so good. I think they're going to say, can I sell this game? And if Julio's name helps me sell it because people have heard of him. I mean, let's, let's be honest, Matt Leacock, right? He could, Matt Leacock and Rob Davio could get together and design Forbidden Island Legacy. And it could be the worst game ever made. And it will sell a crap load of copies because their names yeah, are. Yeah, but they, Yeah, I mean, that's unfair because those, they make good games. No, you're right. You're right. I I realized I screwed my point up as I was saying it. Yeah, <laughs> they have made really uh, some really good games, and and when you have a really good game, I think you get the benefit of the doubt when you get maybe a one or two games right, wrong. Right. Um, no, I, I get. So it. I'm let's just continue. Saying, I, I don't think it matters <laughs> as much as we think it does. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So let's continue on the contracts, and let's talk about rights, uh, rights of the contract. Yeah, 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 that's important. Um, yeah, so so when when a publisher gets rights to your game, make sure you see what those rights are defined as because a publisher can get your rights to your game indefinitely, and you have to put a clause, this is one thing that I always would like to see in a contract, a reversion clause. Because yes, in the yes. case of where when they do not publish a game, you want to make sure to get that design back. Yep, because yep. there may be a situation where it's not even the publisher's fault. I guess it is their fault if they go under. Something that they go under mm -hmm. and run out, out of business and the game is still with them and there's no reversion clause and their game, your game is lost in the void mm -hmm. of bankruptcy forever. Well, not even that. Like, Let's say... Let's say you have a game, it's published, it does really well, but then it goes out of print and mm -hmm. that publisher is not making it anymore. Um, a great yeah. example would be Endeavor, right? The people who designed Endeavor, mm -hmm. how excited were they when it was out of print and a new company, Burnt Island Games, came in and said, hey, we're going to republish your game and then it's done smashingly well, right? Like, 
if yeah. they had had an indefinite contract with that where they couldn't it couldn't be reprinted ever they would lose out yeah. on that so mo- every contract i've had um has had a clause to where i think it's 12 months after the game has no longer um, been printed and is not in print or not for sale that you get the rights back yeah. or you get to talk you can tell the publisher you want the rights back i think is what it is yeah that's, 12 that's months i've seen i have had mine some 24 months um and and it also depends on because some publishers they create an ip around games you know it's not that they use an external ip they create their own ip like something like pandemic that has had its own ip and it has grown to many different games same with ticket to ride um so if a design does revert back sometimes publishers wish to keep that ip and use it for something else uh, because that's something publishers are doing right now uh like role player and doing lockup and cartographers those those are in the same ip right but right. it's not the same game so sometimes you may just get your design back so maybe it's something related to the mechanisms of the game back and you would have to retheme it because the game is tied to an ip that the right. publisher owns right uh, on that on that uh, no one of the things that i like to see in contracts um, and a lot of times I've seen this as a handshake of, yes, we'll do this, but I, I like to see it in writing is first right of refusal on um, yeah. any expansions related to the IP of your game. So yeah, if you have a, if you have a Marvel game, you're not going to get first right of refusal on that. But like, um, like if I did into the black forest with green couch games and he's going to make into the blue forest right and it's going to be in that same world <laughs> i would like in my contract for it to say that i get a shot at at least co-designing that or developing it yeah um you know because that's important to me because i i stand by the games that i create right so i don't know what your thoughts are on yeah. that no 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 definitely that's that's definitely something that first right of refusal on on expansions and games that derive from that original game and again, just make sure that they they can they also make sure to have a, a statement that says if you do refuse, then we can just design one ourselves. Yes, but yeah. it and is that's still a, I think that derived should be okay. from your game. You know, yeah, it's still derived from you your game, and that, you yeah. should and you should get a, a royalty from that. Right, much lower than yep. if you had designed the game. Right, but you should still get one. Same with uh, any. Uh, derivative uh works from your game digital media yep. Yep. uh merchandise yep. all that kind of stuff if it comes from your game you should have some low percentage you know two percent one percent two point five percent uh that that profits that come from that it should go to you because it, it's yep. gone from and from in, your game essentially and that includes foreign language editions that's a that's a really important one i mean X. you know mark yeah. put that into my contract for in real estate and i was like okay sure whatever buddy he's got it into four languages now like counting english so three other languages right and i've gotten paid for every yeah. single one of those languages had he not put that in the contract i would get nothing so, but mm-hmm. he was cool enough to do that, which I appreciate because at that point I didn't know that I needed that in there, but he was like, oh, I'm going to put this in here. And I was like, sure. Okay. Hey, it turned out to be real good <laughs> that he did. Yeah. And, and that usually may be a similar percent to what you have for the game, but the amount of money would be uh, less because this is basically a percentage of a percentage. 
because right, right. Uh, a, a foreign publisher is licensing that game and they earn a profit and then the publisher gets a profit from that profit right. and we get the pro, uh, a little royalty from the profit of the profit. Right. So what you should so, see with that, in my experience, is a higher percentage, but that will get you a lower payout because it's a percentage of a percentage. Exactly. I mean, a higher percentage would still give you a little more. Uh, but it should, if you have, you know, 5%, it would be definitely lower than the 5% of, of the game straight from the publisher. And in, in my experience, because the publishers I've worked with had known that they would just license it, like an Asmodee might print it in the other languages themselves, right? Because they can, but a smaller publisher yeah. who's going to license it, you should see that percentage higher than your original percentage, in my opinion, quite yep. a bit higher. Because that publisher is yep. not doing any work. They're just get it, giving it to someone who's then reprinting it in another language and they're cashing checks just like you are. So that's my opinion on that. Yeah. And this is an interesting point because I have had a, a certain publisher that they actually print the all the games and they distribute the games. So they're the only ones that are doing the printing and everybody's buying the games from them straight. Right, right, so, which is different, you know. Exactly, exactly. So also consider that having definitions in the contract is very important because we may be talking about this now, but it's make sure that they define what wholesale price is, what net wholesale price is, what retail price is, what net license income, print run, derivative works, all that stuff because – when you have the, all this legal mumbo jumbo and and contracts, some things can just run under the radar without you noticing. And it's not like I mean, I'm not saying that contractors just want to make sure to catch you uh, unguarded, because that's not the case. No, but no. sometimes, yeah, you you just gotta make sure that what what is read is really what you're under you're understanding. Right, right. right. And do it not correlates. be afraid to ask the publisher. To explain things, um, I think it's important too to remember that reputation matters for the publisher too, right? If a publisher is actively mm -hmm. screwing designers over, designers will talk about that, like, right? I mean, yeah, that we just we will because it's our job to help protect one another. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what else um, in contracts that uh, you would think it would need? Oh. Well, I mean, this is not, it's not really unimportant, but we haven't mentioned it. Make sure that you get credited for the design. Yeah. Clarify um. <laughs> how you want to be credited as the designer. Um, exactly. If, if there are multiple designers on it, you know, this is something Neil and I have talked about a bit. If there are multiple designers on it, determine which designer should have first billing, if that's a thing. Um you know, mm. and like that's, I mean, look at, look at Riddle and Pinchback, right? I mean, they design together constantly and like both names are on the box and guess what? They're usually not on the same level. Someone's going to be first, right? So like you work out with your co-designer how that will be done and then just make sure that that's, you know, again, if you care at all about that, um, I, honestly, for me, it's more of if Neil and I worked on a game and I feel like Neil like had the original idea and put a lot more into the game, I would want to make sure he was credited first for that game, right? Because I feel like he did more heavy lifting and he should be credited first. Um, yeah. Uh, also, what else? I was thinking of something else as you were saying that. Um, free copies. 
Free copies. Yes, that's a good one. How many copies do you get? And this this is actually really varied from what I've seen by publisher to publisher. Um, I don't, yeah. what, what have you felt like with that? Well, I have gotten uh, anything from uh, three copies to 12 copies in my contracts. So it does vary. Uh, Most copies I ever got of a game were, was, was 60. And that 60. was a, that was a, that was a mistake on the publisher's part. I think of percentage wise, um, the, uh, the least I've gotten, uh, was six in a contract. Um, yeah. And that was really based on per case, right? Like some publishers were like, I will give you a case of games which is fair because if it's a smaller game, you're going to get a bunch of them. If it's a larger game, you're not going to, but the cost will net itself out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in those cases, I mean, um, I, I, I'm really, of course, I, I definitely want to have one game maybe that I can open and play and want to have, you know, show off maybe. So, so that's definitely right. something to, to think about there. So, but, a couple little idiosyncrasies that I ask for, right? I ask for if it's possible, and if it's not, then it's fine. Uh, Mark Spector has been great about this because this was not in the contract because I didn't think about it. But I will ask a publisher if I could get one copy of each language that the game is in. Um, mm. And uh, I love that because I have a copy of Unreal Estate in Russian and it looks freaking amazing. Um, and it's got my name <laughs> in like the Cyrillic alphabet and I love that and that makes me very excited. Um, so I always ask publishers for that. Some, a lot of times they'll say, we're not going to put that in the contract, but, but we can hook you up with that. Great. If they end up not being able to, it is what it is, but I really enjoy that. Um, two, and maybe you mentioned this and I've forgotten cause I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here, but, uh, minimum print run. Did you mention that? I feel like we didn't. I, I did not. Okay. I did not. So, so this is something you should ask every single publisher who even, says they want to make an offer. Hey, what what is your what is your minimum print run? Uh what is your largest print run and where do you think this game falls in there? And that should be in the contract. There should be a minimum print run in the contract. Um you know, in 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 my opinion for a decent sized publisher, that usually should be 2000 plus. Um for mm-hmm. a larger publisher, you can expect it to be more than that. But like even for a smaller yeah. publisher, you should expect it to be twelve to two thousand, twelve hundred to two thousand. Um, I think that's yeah. important. I it did have I did have a a pitch that went really well, and the publisher started talking about what you know. I guess kind of their business side, and and he mentioned you know he mentioned twenty thousand uh, print run, and I'm like, whoa, that's a uh, like, hey, that's big. Yes, where do I sign <laughs> that, buddy? Right there. Oh, and be prepared. Yeah, be but, prepared that um. <laughs> If for a larger publisher, you may get a smaller royalty percentage because mm-hmm. that's the understanding that if they're going to print twenty to 50,000 copies of your game, that that's, that's fine because it, you're going to still make more money in the end. Um, yeah. So, and oh, oh, another thing. If you do IP work, you will lose percentage points based on the fact that it's an IP. Because they have mm, to pay yeah. for the IP, but again, it will sell way more copies, so that in the end will net out. Plus, like if there's anything that deserves you to take less money, if you can get a game with an IP that you love, I personally think that's worthwhile. Maybe that's because I'm a nerd, but I would sacrifice to get a good IP on a game if it meant I got paid less. 
because that's that's kind of a bucket list thing, right? You know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and and to this point, I think I think we have gone through a uh, uh, couple of of statements and and a contract and and what you can see there. So I think this is this is a good topic because really this is something that people kind of you know glass over on on topics and and we just right. I just want to bring it out to light and and see what people think right. I want to throw out two more quick things. One, and again, if we cover this and I've forgotten because it's it's we've gotten we went through this is very dense. I love it. Um, ask them how they're gonna are they gonna do Kickstarter? Are they gonna do straight to print uh, mm, or straight to retail? Yeah. That's important. N- that shouldn't necessarily influence your decision. It's just good to know. Um, it's just good to know. I, I've worked with publishers that have that have done both, and um, I think that it's just a good question to ask because you should know that, right? Um, in, yeah, in, uh, yeah, and and especially especially that that's also on on the percentage side royalties. What royalty rate do you get on the profits from that? Right, because and, if if they state on the contract that they're gonna give you wholesale uh, royalty on wholesale, but when they sell on Kickstarter, that's not wholesale price. Right, and so that's um, the that's the thing is like the experience I've had is you make more off the basically you make. You make money, your percentage is based on the profit that they made when they sold it, right? So like, yeah. um, so Kickstarter is great for that, especially if you think you can have something that can go really well on Kickstarter because you can make a lot more money that way, frankly. Um, but that said, you know, you could also see the Kickstarter fail, which sucks. So you can go either way. Exactly. Um, and then the other thing I just always like to clarify is timeline. Like how, when do they think the game will be published? Um, you know, and a lot of big publishers are two years out and like, you just have to be okay with that. If you want a big publisher, that's kind of the agreement you're making and you just have to be cool with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good, man. You you came more prepared than I did. (laughs) I, I, I honestly, I thought of these things as we were going through <laughs> yeah i've been reading a contract today and making notes and and sending it to the publisher because they right. did send the contract so that's cool and don't don't be afraid to work with a contract that doesn't fit the things we've said like i i did some work this year on a game where i was hired um they they said hey we need a game for this thing it's a company that that just hired me to design a game for them uh, what was brilliant about that was I was going to get paid no matter what happened, and that was cool. And I got half my money up front, and then I got the other half when I said, we're done, you can go to print. Um, but, hmm. like, that was, they said, what what are you going to, you know, what do you want for this? And so I gave them an amount, and we agreed upon something. Um, and that was completely outside of, and so, like, for that game, like, I get no royalties. I own nothing with that game. Um but it's a it'll be a smaller print run game. It's for a different model than we normally design for. Um, but it was cool because it was guaranteed cash. I knew I could estimate about how much time I would put into the game. Um, yeah, and so that was so. Don't be afraid to go outside of the things we're talking about because that was really beneficial to me in getting a game out there and getting paid for it. So yeah, yeah. And and one thing also you should consider outside of the contract is. I mean, you have been pitching this game 
possibly to many publishers mm -hmm. and and it, there may come a time where another publisher has the game and if you do get an offer make sure to let other the other publishers that have your game know because at that point they can either um, hurry up and finish their evaluation and maybe give you an offer as well or just say okay we're gonna stop we're gonna spend more time because this game is probably gonna go under contract Um, right, and that right. just sets a good precedence for you as a designer that you're transparent with what's going on with your designs. Right, right. Okay, so that's a that's a that's a wrap. I think we got a, some good conversations. So, listeners, if builders, if you have any other uh, things that you would like to add, make sure to. You know, when Jason puts it on Facebook or Twitter, just uh, share, 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 share. And if there's any other things that you will all like us to talk about, um, share that too. Yes. Do you think we have time do. to pitch a game? Uh, yeah. Just you gotta you gotta make it snappy though. No, no euros. Okay, tonight, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with one um, that I mentioned earlier. I'm gonna go with Rainbow Riders. Uh, so this is a cool. game that I'm, I'm currently working on. I'm interested to hear about on. this one. Yeah, so Rainbow Riders is a racing game where players are driving hot air balloons across the rainbow. And they are build it's an engine puzzle builder where they are <laughs> building their engine which runs on rainbows and rainbow shards. And their point is to get faster than the rainbow to be able to catch up to it. Because the rainbow is a track, and the track is always growing. So it's getting farther and farther, but you're getting faster and faster. And the point is to get faster than the rainbow and make it to the finish line before everybody else. And, you know, and that's, the, that's the pitch, but how does it work? So what I did with this game is that I made, I guess, um, arc, arc tiles. Um, of course yeah, you so, did, Julio. So these arc tiles are eight together make a circle. And but when you I, I made them actually with uh, jigsaw puzzle ends so they can connect nice. on either side. Nice. And you can you can the track can be in any shape. And so it actually conforms to your table size. So you can change it however you want. But basically Uh, your engine is the hot air balloon from the top view, and you, when you move forward, you collect a piece of the rainbow and you add it to your engine, which is a circle that's growing and growing. And the way it works is that every, at the start of every turn, you draw a new tile and add it to the end of the rainbow, which is, again, the rainbow is expanding. And there are colors on that tile and the colors are six colors i picked the, the there's seven rainbow colors but blue and uh, indigo are too close so i just made that one color um so it's a uh, yellow green orange red purple and blue so whatever those two colors are they will activate on your engine and the engine is the outside of the hard air balloon like i said so you would put these shards which are crystal colored crystals and you put it on the outside and you push them into the hot air balloon which is a circle and the way it works that that's actually uh, uh rings a series of rings there's three rings one on the outside one in the middle and one on the inside and the closer the shards get the more 
powerful they get. So on the outside, each shard is one point, one value. On the, the second ring is two, and on the third ring is three. But it goes from eight, which is, again, the amount of tiles, to four, to two. So the more powerful they become, but the less they are there, there are of them. So you're actually pushing shards, so that's where the puzzle element comes uh, to the game. So it's a pretty interesting puzzle, and the way you move is you, it's where the tile that you're going, so you're paying energy depending on your, where you want to go. So the, fa the more energy you have, the farther you can go. And that's kind of how that uh, mechanism works there. And it's very hard to explain with just words. Um, anybody can go on my Twitter and check out. I got some pictures, and that, hopefully that can help it out but this game specifically i've had some trouble i guess with um, the the movement mechanism is something that i've changed a lot because when you make the shards stronger they just give you all more of that shard color and that is very hard to translate to the engine movement when you have a lot of colors in between that's why I made it to what file, what tile you, do you want to go to. So it, mm -hmm. it is one that is definitely a work in progress, but the engine is definitely something that, that resonates very well. And another problem that I've been having is that this, the theme is very silly, right? I mean, you're racing across rainbows and you're trying to make it to the end. Right. But you have a puzzle engine building inside of that. And it, there's a there's a disconnect because there's a silly theme, but the game is actually uh, it's not heavy, but it, it does have some thinkiness and weight to it. Uh, and 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 that's some feedback I've I've gotten uh, in my play tests. So one thing, that, but the problem with this is that while the theme is silly, it is so attached to the mechanisms. I would say the game is pretty thematic because it is very hard to come up with, you know, what road can you think of that can always move forward and it's always expanding. Right. And what vehicle can you think of that's circular and you can add arcs to it to make a circle and make an engine that way? It, I kind of shot myself in the foot maybe a little. So so that's uh, something I have to think of, of maybe... Um, uh, a retheme of it or maybe since the engine works really well think of, of another way of doing that because essentially you are collecting the tiles to add your to your engine so there's that double use component part so that is rainbow riders that sounds really interesting it is yeah i, I would have to see it better in person to but i'd love to try that next time we see each other because that sounds like i like games like that that sounds really interesting yeah, it's funny because every time I, I pitch a game, it, it, I, I, I don't get much feedback from you because it, it is very hard to visualize the game unless you see it and, and, and can understand it that way. Right. I mean, it sounds incredibly clever. Like, I love the, the way the tiles fit, the way you're describing it. So well, if anybody has any, any thoughts on it, hit me up. Yes, do that because I want to hear people's opinions on it and also if you've played it yeah all right so, so any closing comments what's going on anything no, no. Any, anything before the new year uh no just uh recording more episodes of the show before the new year but other than that that's it 
um, trying to get some more prototypes out. Neil and I are trying to finish up some stuff we're working on with some people, and uh, yeah. Okay. And then the, well, some secret with stuff. You got some going secret on? stuff for the show that I can't wait to show you all about. In the yeah. new year. Nice, nice. Oh, well, me too. Hopefully, I'll have some news soon of uh, who I've signed with, and and oh, um, Holy the Color Festival has been added to Board Game Geek. So awesome! Uh, yeah, follow follow that, and and I think we'll see a, a Kickstarter campaign around March because that's when the Color Festival is. So that's just right there. It's close. Very cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, with that, let me uh, do the outro to the show here. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening and joining us tonight. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us at buildingthegamepodcast at dot buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at podcastbtg, at ja slingerland, and at hunasaru, j u n a z a r u. Excellent. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, like us there, and uh, check us out on all podcasting locations. So with that, we say a good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.